Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later. It probably says a lot about me that when you said that the bell is bigger, my first thought was, ooh, you can stick your whole head in it. <laughs> no, that's the tuba. You can stick your whole head in oh, the tuba. okay. <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, 
friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best rusty quillers, and today we're talking about playing instruments and being musicians, and I am tremulously excited to be joined by Kathy, Faye and Geoffrey. As always, our guests shall introduce themselves alphabetically, which means, Faye, you are starting us off. What are your pronouns and what do you do? Um, my name is Faye Roberts. My pronouns are uh, either Zizia or they, them, if Zizia is too complicated. My day job involves writing lists for other people and um, <laughs> <laughs> telling them, no, you, you can't, we can't afford, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the fun stuff later at night involves voice acting, including for Rusty Quill. Lovely. I do love the various ways that you describe your day job. <laughs> <laughs> It's all very exciting. Kathy, you should have gone first. C comes before F. That's okay. It was nice not to go first for once. Oh my god. It's because I wrote down I wrote down the names of who's gonna be on this and I put Faye first. Oh my middle name begins with A, if that helps. Um <laughs> to, yeah, today my name can start with a K. It's totally cool. It's all good. Yeah, but then you'd be going third up. It's okay. Just the audience will just now know that that is the level that my brain is operating on during this recording. It's fine. Kathy, please give us your pronouns and tell us what you do. Hi, I'm Kathy Ronella. Pronouns are she, her, and I'm one of the audio masters at Rusty Quill. Jeffrey, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hi, my name's Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and I am no longer one of the best Rusty Quillers. <gasps> We're Lies. so devastated. <laughs> you are one of the best former Rusty Quillers. I'll take that. Yeah, so I am a sound designer, audio fiction director, and producer. Right now, I think... Let's call it, I am the producer for um, Vox's Phoebe Reads a Mystery. I am the executive producer of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mm-hmm. mystery. And I am a professor at Northwestern University here in Illinois. And a nice. bunch of other stuff, but I can't actually talk <laughs> about it right now. <laughs> right. Obvious question first. What instruments do you all play and how did you start playing them? So I play a bunch of different instruments. I would say that my primary instrument through most of my life has been the violin. Oh, I have been playing for a little over 30 years now to avoid having to do the math at how old I actually am. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so (laughs) around 30 30 plus years. I also play mandolin and octave mandolin and banjo and Mm. boron and... What was that last one? Boron. It's an Irish frame drum. Yes. Yes. (gasps) And I program modular synths. Wow. As well as I kind of have a sideline in building and playing... um, what I call electroacoustic instruments, they're just weird circuits and, you know, pickups and stuff like that that make chaotic, horrific noises. But they're a lot of fun. 
in this house we love and appreciate chaotic horrific noises mm-hmm. um can we go back you you said that you played was it mandolin and then a something else mandolin yeah so i play the regular small mandolin which is an eight stringed uh-huh instrument about the size of a ukulele it's actually tuned and has intervals that are exactly the same as a violin so that's a very easy switch mm. over mm-hmm. and then i also you'll see this on video i guess <laughs> also play the octave mandolin this is my electric uh and it oh. is i made this out of a three-quarter scale guitar which has the mm. same scale length as a regular octave mandolin. Um, so it's eight stringed and just every string is a full octave down from the regular mandolin. I oh, that's see. So cool. That's super cool. I always forget that you can get different instruments that are just like, you know, big brothers <laughs> like to the other instruments <laughs> or like little baby siblings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like saxophones. And they have like a soprano saxophone and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kathy, what about you? I have one instrument that I play with uh, several others that I kind of adopted on and off over the years. So I've primarily played tuba for the last... Oh, God, now I have to do the math. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Let's say at least 20 years. Probably. That was my, my primary instrument through school and into college. And then probably the second longest is bass trombone. And then there's been a smattering of other instruments picked up here and there through classes in college. So at one point I was playing a little bit piano. One year I was learning some snare drum. Another was, was it oboe or bassoon? It was oboe. Oboe, that was pretty fun. And um, at one point I tried to pick up bass guitar with Mm. vague (laughs) success and then put it back down. (laughs) You've got all those low instruments. Yeah. Oh, I love the low Mm. instruments. That's where my eardrums live. I just just love them so much. Yeah. What's a... Okay, so is a bass trombone just a very big trombone? Actually, it's, it's similar in size to a regular trombone but the bell is larger and there's extra tubing so that allows you to get the lower octaves that you would normally assign to a bass trombone as opposed to Mm. a regular one and because of the extra tubing in it Mm. will often come with a valve oh that allows you to switch to the additional tubing that you need to hit those low notes whereas a normal trombone there's not usually sometimes there's valves but it's not yeah it's usually not, just the slide yeah it, it probably says a lot about me that when you said that the bell is bigger my first thought was oh you can stick your whole head in it <laughs> no that's the tuba you can stick your whole head in oh, the tuba. okay oh <laughs> <sighs> uh. The, the bass trombone, you can wear like a very large hat. Oh, You can lovely. just stick it with a very long, you know, brass trail behind you. <laughs> nice. Gorgeous. And Faye, what instruments do you play and how did you get started? Oh, crikey. Uh, I guess instruments I have played, I started with probably like most people in the UK, I started with the recorder. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then piano. Because there was a piano in my house from when I was like three, something like that. Went for lessons when I was about six, maybe seven. I think it was six though, because there was that was apparently controversial. I don't know, don't, don't know why. <laughs> and then and this is terribly middle class. I was asked, you know, uh, would I like to learn a second instrument? And 
my submission that French horn is cool was rejected by my parents, who I think had horror, horrible visions of how that, you know, someone learning uh, French horn <laughs> would go. So uh, clarinet was um, was choice B, but I did I did fall in love with it. Also, a great deal more. Uh, what's the word I want? Portable. You break it down and it goes into a tiny little case. Yeah. I think I focused more on singing. I'm a, like a classically trained singer. So I've been singing. Oh. Yeah. And I've been singing in choirs and such and in competition since I was four. In choirs since I was three or four and in competition since I was five, which I suspect is a very South Wales thing. I tended to assume that was normal. And then when I uh, set up a choir that I ran in university and we'd part of the warm up to get people in, in the audition was to ask him, you know, how long have you been singing? What other singing have you done? Kind of thing. And to find out that, mm. in fact, there's a huge difference between, for example, Welsh culture, German culture, Italian culture, and then like uh, English culture and various other cultures, especially, um, yeah, especially English is that don't just don't sing as much as, mm. as, yeah, as I was used to. And I used to think, gosh, these people haven't sung very much. And then I realized after a while of going, oh no, no, my, my perception is, is skewed. And then I picked up. Hand percussion. I'd always been interested in it um, in school. I just like to play with it, um, just mess around with it, and then um, got into it in a much bigger way, weirdly enough, through poetry, which is an odd flex, mm. I know, but ended up something that I would do to accompany poetry. And <laughs> and then, here's an even weirder flex, ended up somehow joining a bluegrass band in which, <laughs> in which I would play djembe and various other hand percussion, which is... I don't know what this looked like to the audience. They just went with it, but um, yeah. So when you say hand percussion, you mean like drums that you actually you hit, hit with, with your, your hand? Yeah, I think yeah. The, the coordination required to actually use sticks, especially if you're using sticks and feet, which is why I'm always really impressed with people who can do drum kits. It's just like, mm. Mm, no. <laughs> Did you ever use those little symbols that you could put on your fingers? Cassonets. Cassonets. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had got given those when I was very little. So and uh, again yeah. annoyed the parents a great deal. Maracas and don't give inquisitive children loud percussion instruments. Is definitely the vibe. <laughs> so of course, when my little sister was born, one of the things I made sure to do was to give her lots of instruments from about yeah. two or three onwards. Which I think, yeah, I think was very responsible for me to do. And to be fair, she's studying music at Leeds now, so I I, I feel like I helped. <laughs> I help nurture that. You are vindicated. (laughs) And I encourage giving children loud instruments because they'll (laughs) like it. Just do it somewhere far away from where you are if you don't want to be disturbed. That's the one. (laughs) Now, Helen, in asking for uh, a definition of hand percussion, were you trying to ferret out if Faye was just having a really, like, exciting name for clapping? (laughs) (laughs) No, I had, I had, I've seen instruments before. (laughs) Okay. Audience, I just wanted to mention that when Faye was talking about how Wales and various Mm. other countries have a very different singing culture to... England, Lori <laughs> turned her camera back on just to pop into the Skype call to nod enthusiastically and then disappeared again. <laughs> so a little behind the scenes thing for you there. Nice. So Faye, you've got into this a little bit about bands and orchestras. Mm. Can you tell us anything more about 
You said a bluegrass band. <laughs> yeah, bluegrass band. Um, I've, I've played, like I say, djembe and various other instruments with them. And cajon, when their main drummer wasn't available. Mm. A cajon is brilliant, by the way. Everyone should try and play one of those. They're gorgeous instruments. What is it? Cajon is... If you've ever seen someone sitting on a box and, and hitting it and... and <gasps> yes! That? That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the cajon. So... Yeah. The weird coincidence is I bought this for my 40th birthday, which is an excellent present, I think, to give someone their 40th. But it turned out to be made by someone who's who's playing when they were busking, inspired a poem that is what became one of my standards that I do, like kind of vocal percussion. So it's, it kind of switches between vocal percussion, singing and poetry. And then got this cajon and it's, you know, signed by that cajon player and singer who inspired the poem. And I was just like, this is so cool. But yes, so I've played that with the Bluegrass Band and accompanying various poets. When I was in school, you didn't really have much choice. If you played an orchestral instrument, you were expected to join the orchestra. And of course, yes. Latterly, I, they, made a, they had a wind band as well. <laughs> For the orchestra, it was accepted that I could. I was either second or third clarinet because there are a fair number of clarinet players of better standards than mine, let's say. Um, so when you get to, I don't know if any of you have played in the orchestra, I suspect uh, Jeffrey has, but um, you get desks within an orchestra. So you have like first violin, second violin, etc. But you also have it for some of the other instruments. So you're, and depending on how keen your school is to, to get anyone, just, just play something. But the further back on the desks you go, the less you have to play or the more basic you have to play. So sometimes all you're doing is watching other people to find out when you turn the page during all the rest bars before you go toot, 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 20 <laughs> more rest bars kind of thing. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of eating on the third desk for clarinet. <laughs> a lot of snacking. I want an orchestra made entirely of people just making the noises with their mouths <laughs> and someone just yelling toot. <laughs> it's bound to be out there. Bound to be. Yeah. There are orchestras with <laughs> instruments made out of vegetables, which just makes me so, so excited. Oh, lovely. have done that. <laughs> oh, have any of you... Um, oh my gosh, what's it called? The Portsmouth Sinfonia... I'm going to read from the Wikipedia. All right. Was an English orchestra founded by a group of students at the Portsmouth School of Art in 1970. The Sinfonia was generally open to anyone and ended up drawing players who were either people without musical training or if they were musicians, ones that chose to play an instrument that was entirely new to them. So all of the stuff that they have released is people trying their very best to play music but not actually being very good at it. Glorious. But it's got a really like wholesome history because the the they, they set it up because they they just wanted people to play music. They didn't mind if it was good or not. They just wanted people to like have fun with it and try to it says here on the Wikipedia, the only rules were that everyone had to come for rehearsals and that people should try their best to get it right and not intentionally play badly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, though. That that's very great. Cool. And then, Aww. as the years passed, the musicians eventually became accustomed to and more skilled at playing their instruments, which diminished the novelty of the group. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're no longer terrible. What? <laughs> oh. <sighs> Anyway, yeah. So um, that's my favourite orchestra in the world. Okay, <laughs> and we shall we shall move on. Kathy, tell me about you being in bands slash orchestras. Oh gosh. Well, 
as a as a primary tuba player, I got whisked into bands and orchestras fairly quickly uh-huh. uh, from the time I started playing. I learned in grade school around third grade, which I think is a little uncommon for U.S. schools. But because there is a rash of people not wanting to play the low instruments because mm-hmm. they're not as glamorous, mm-hmm. flute's very glamorous, uh, a <laughs> trumpet, a saxophone, you know, everything that you kind of yeah. see. They in. get the lively bits to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got whisked into band, I think, you know, maybe five months after I started playing. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I, I've always enjoyed it. I've played a lot of band and orchestra over the years. At times, playing in both, again, because of the scarcity of the instrument. Being a tuba, Faye was what you were saying earlier about the watching other people change <laughs> the page of the music. Yeah. Oh, well, the 17th rest. <laughs> playing tuba yeah. in the back. Oh, gosh, there's so many rests, so many measures of nothing to do that you just kind of trained yourself to hear mm-hmm. when you had to come back in. Or you watched <laughs> for the conductor to do something that was like, ah, I know when he moves his hand like this, that we're probably close to this measure where I should start paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was wonderful. Mm. So yeah, there was a lot of like impromptu improv learning (laughs) within Mm. band sometimes because he couldn't count one, two, three, four, all the way up through 60 measures. (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten that a lot of music involves counting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a major part of it. That's at least half of music. At least. Yeah, and if you can't go along for the ride with the the main melody, then you're you're forced to like really count out the full time signatures and make sure you're keeping track of the rhythm and everything like that. Oh wow. no, we've changed to three four. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and now we're gonna go to seven eight, and now we're going to seven six, and then we'll go back to three four. That's the one. It won't make sense, but believe it'll be, it'll be fine. It is interesting, isn't it? You kind of suspend the idea of you being the only like. Mm, you're you're part of a bigger thing and you have to mm-hmm. kind of trust that mm-hmm. whoever wrote it and whoever's conducting it can bring that together in a whole that the audience will perceive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it can be um can be a weird experience because you know you're only like a a really small component of the entire sound mm-hmm Mm. And every group that you're in has a different personality to it, mm. like just mm. by sheer nature of the instrument makeup. So like I always felt that orchestra was a lot more serious than band was at times, even if we're mm. talking like a professional wind symphony versus a, a professional orchestra. There's still a characteristic, there's still a mm. dynamic that's different between the two groups. Just like how everybody works in a wind band is different from how everybody works in a jazz band is how everybody works different in a pit orchestra for like, you know, a mm-hmm. theater production, things like that. Do you think that's because of the kind like the kind of genres of music that tend to be most suitable? I think so. I think like for example, jazz, mm. it's encouraged that Mm-hmm. you improv on things it's encouraged that you're you kind of go off the rails a little bit in terms of just trying to be creative with a performance and letting loose and swinging the eighths and and kind of mm-hmm. tweaking the triplets and all that fun stuff whereas in orchestra you have decades sometimes centuries of established music mm. 
mm. of historical repute. <laughs> and it's like a core part of the classical music repertoire that you must do this a certain way. You must mm. be precise. And if you don't get it right, mm. anybody who knows their music will point it out to you and make sure you know. Oof. And um, in that sense, it kind of leads to a difference in personalities between the instruments, too, mm. in different groups, I think. Like, Jeffrey, you were saying that you learn violin. Oh, so much respect for learning violin. I That takes so much training at the start mm. that, I mean, it's hard to pick up a string instrument mm. at the uh, in the early years as opposed to like a wind instrument. You can get results out of a wind instrument pretty quickly as a beginner, like to a point where you feel comfortable with the notes on the page. But with a string instrument, there's just so much to take in and so much you need to train before you can feel mm. comfortable with playing. I mean, I, I guess in some ways I'm lucky in that I was really, I was playing violin before I was learning to do anything else other than like, I guess, share <laughs> or, you know, maybe my my colors or numbers I learned <laughs> wow. beforehand. But oh like, gosh. you know, yeah, I was, I, you know, the, uh, actually the story of how I got into violin is funny. I, um, as a child in my grandmother's house, my mother's mother, I found her grandmother, so my great-grandmother's violin, like, oh. hidden down in a basement somewhere. And I was like, I would like to play this. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, again, I'm like mm -hmm. three or four. And they're like, okay, well, we, we didn't want to get you on an instrument, so... You, you want to play violin? And apparently I was very into it. And uh, so I got a very, very small violin and started playing. And actually, the, the one over here on my wall, my main acoustic violin, mm -hmm. is that same violin that we restored. Oh, that's gorgeous. And oh, that's uh, so cool. I still play. That's lovely. Uh, there are a couple of family instruments that have been passed down. I also play my great aunt Peachy's tenor banjo. Peachy was a um, she was a performer for the rodeos. Oh, cool! And so she never had a day of musical training in her life, but could play any instrument mm -hmm. that she picked up and played for the rodeos out in Montana. And uh, yeah, I ended up with her banjo. I don't know. I, I like to say that I am kind of broadly not deeply musical. I, I can mm -hmm. kind of play most instruments. I don't pretend to, you know, I sing, but I like, I can sing in a punk band. I can't sing in a Broadway musical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but were you in bands and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, in in my younger years, you know, elementary, middle, high school, I played in a couple of orchestras and a couple of chamber music quartets. And then sometime in high school, I got an electric violin Ooh. and oh, kind of nice. never looked back. And so I played Ooh. in a couple of punk bands and an Irish punk band oh. that was like right in the era where like Dropkick yep. Murphys and Flogging Molly were really yeah. popular here in the States. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I've played, I had a couple of different like acoustic trios that I played out with here in Chicago for a while. I'm not currently playing with a band, uh, mostly just because time 
but mm. I miss it a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, especially Aww. with like a really loud, good rock and roll band. Um, mm. There is, I love playing with orchestras. It was a lot of fun, but there is no sensation like, you know, three people with amps cranked way too loud and your drummer <laughs> and it's just it's like surfing a wave of sound and you're just barely staying on top of it it's a really delightful experience lovely I love it. also i can't hear any noises above like 1400 <laughs> oh boy. 1200 hertz now <laughs> oh it's destroyed okay oh dear yeah <laughs> well on that slightly upsetting note <laughs> We're going to take a break and we will see you again after these ads. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back. So, we've talked about our various musical histories. I have another question, and this time it's about other people. I want to find out what musicians you each admire if there are any in particular, like if there are any particular performers that you really enjoy? I would actually say I don't have any. It's more just I don't have any that I've been focused into, but maybe as a as a counter offer to answer that question, mm-hmm. I have always really admired some people's ability to compose for other instruments. Go mm-hmm. on. Uh, one that sticks out in my mind, especially, is um, Eric Whitaker. Oh, yeah. Who's an amazing choir composer. He's done a lot of wonderful uh, singing pieces. He's spearheaded a um, virtual choir that performs with singers from all over the world through the internet well before the pandemic mm. happened. And has always been really innovative in how he composes his music but I fell in love with how he wrote things for band before he got into his groove with choir because the way he composed meant that he found ways to have the instruments do things they don't normally get to do Mm. a lot of creative illustrative music so like uh, there's one piece in particular Called, that he wrote ages ago called Ghost Train. And it's for Wind Symphony. And it's basically, there's a whole story that goes behind this piece of music that illustrates this par- paranormal setting where this train is, is moving through this ghostly, dark land. And you you hear the band as, as you hear this uh, train just like starts revving up and you hear the percussion bringing in like the chicka 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 of the train <laughs> and you hear the horns and the flutes and the clarinets all helping to create this wonderfully massive elaborate like train sound that's slightly eerie as like oh. the as the woo woo starts going off and and the low brass brings in this massive like sound of like the presence of the engine and everything i just i love when people think about instruments in a different way that allows them not to be pigeonholed (laughs) and so i really i i admire that kind of work and i admire a lot of music that is illustrative and fun it's kind of like what jeffrey was saying before of you know feeling that kind of drive when you're in a band or when like you're in a in a punk band or you're in a rock band of like performing for a crowd like composers that can do that for an orchestra or a band is amazing because we don't always get that feeling when we're playing. I'd love to build off of that. I I have two, I guess, two kind of answers for your question on like musicians. I have been, I mean, the first is I have just gone down the deepest John Darniel mountain goats hole. And so I think if there's any, if there's any musician that I'm spending a lot of time with right now and have over the last couple of years it's it's his music uh just a fantastic mm. lyricist and thinks about the world and music in really interesting ways mm. but 
branching off, Kathy, what you were saying, I think there's also I I have discovered lately a real love for you know, uh, sampling is is maybe the easiest way to talk about it, but things like mm. plunder phonics from John Oswald, um, <laughs> famously coined in his his essay, which uh, has just the best title: "Plunder Phonics or Audio Piracy as a Compositional Prerogative." Okay. <laughs> Damn. I love it. Uh, he's got an amazing. Uh, the 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 place to start is dab dab in which he somehow makes michael jackson undanceable <laughs> so it's a Damn. really it's a really cool piece um but also you know i think about the the first time i heard steve reich's it's going to rain which is just it's mm. it's a piece that is played using a pair of tape decks with the same sample of this preacher preaching and he uses them and like lets them go out of sync so that they're you know they they get some phase cancellation and it's a just incredible piece of music using this this one piece of audio that you know i will just sit down and listen to every once in a while it's a a really devastating and beautiful piece of music. Oh, that sounds awesome. Or maybe or maybe someone like Chris Wilson, who was a audio engineer for the BBC, uh, did a bunch of their documentaries. And then apparently the, the what I hear is that in his contract he had written in that anything he recorded he could also use for himself. So he would go out and, you know, record trains all over Europe and then and use that to you know, create the the documentary and then come back and create this these beautiful pieces of music using the the train recordings that he captured. So yeah, yeah. I have been really lately have been really interested in musicians who are using, you know, tape and other things, things that are not mm-hmm. typically thought of as musical instruments and creating what is either recognizably or maybe you would say arguably music uh, out of it. (laughs) Debatably music. Okay. (laughs) And Faye, what do you think? Like, who do you, do you have anyone you admire? I'm glad I got to the end of this because I've spent this time trying to work out. (laughs) But I realised that a lot of the people that I admire, as in, wow, that's amazing, could listen to that for ages or I you know wish I could do that or I'd love to work with them kind of thing a lot of them are people who aren't that well renowned or they're just people I've jammed with or stuff like that um, and I'm trying to know it but which is which is lovely but it means I'm not necessarily able to, to do you the favor of being able to connect to their music in the same way but um I realize that one of the things that I'm particularly drawn to is especially multi-instrumentalists people can just pick up a lot of different things and people who would generous i think that's probably the best way of putting it Hmm. who don't necessarily put themselves first and foremost when it comes to performance and i don't know if this is just a a background as being a choral singer i mean Hmm. and again when i used to audition people for the choir i wouldn't necessarily always take the best singers like technically the best singers be about the people who would be able to work in a choir if you know what i mean the people who you'd go right this is someone who can harmonize this is someone who can listen to other people and isn't necessarily putting themselves 
first, even if they're an amazing. It, and you can have these amazing solo singers who were able to make that switch to being a a good choral singer as well. And I was just thinking, uh, someone I know from from work of all things, we just kind of got falling into talking about this, and then ended up doing some collaborative stuff as poet and musician. His name is Gavanash Sirasena, and he is again a multi instrumentalist. Um, and very modest about it as well. I say, wow, you play the sitar. And he's like, oh, I've got a sitar. And I'm like, sure, but you actually know how to, it's not just sitting there covered in dust. You know what to do with that kind of thing. You know, he, he plays keyboard. He plays lots of hand percussion. He plays guitar like it's not a guitar. Like one of the pieces we used to do together, it sounded more like a harp or something like that. He was able to do this amazing high pizzicato stuff that made you just go, I don't know what you just did. I didn't even know that guitars could do that and yeah it could spin all sorts of wonderful kind of images in my head but he also he plays with other bands who again aren't the kind where it's like a a coincidence of egos but is in fact a proper band together or anytime I've seen him session with other people and you just go he's making everyone else like larger he's you know he's, he's bringing it all up as well as being spectacularly good by himself Mm. Similarly, I suppose a, a more famous example would be Nitin Sawney. And again, a lot of his stuff is not about him. It's about who he can bring together and the stories he can tell. All of his albums are, they always have an overarching theme and they always tell stories within the individual pieces as well as across the album. And it'll be about lots of other musicians, lots of other ways of of talking about the world. Yeah, I, I guess I, and I admire people who you can harmonize with and you can work with like um there's a bassist slash vocalist called ian newman who plays with what are they calling themselves anarcho-punk spoken word something or other uh, they're, they're the oh, anti-poet excellent. yeah they're, they're the anti-poet and there's one guy who's like a former punk musician doing um ranty po- proper old school ranty poetry and occasional singing and there's ian who's doing double bass and various other instruments and singing with that as well and just various interjections to kind of mm. make it work and again he's an exceptional musician in himself but he also brings everything else up he's also an absolute dream to harmonize with which is which is really good and he plays with that bluegrass band when they do the the festival lineup so yeah yeah, that's something I'm again missing with with pandemic is is that bit where you improvise harmonies with other people where you go, yeah, I don't know if we'll ever be able to do that again. But that five part harmony that we just did then, that was frankly close to <laughs> orgasmic. That that, that <laughs> happened then, that will possibly never happen again in any of our lifetimes. That that moment, you know, yeah, yeah, hmm. that's yeah. We'll we'll get that back. There'll be there'll be space and time to do those things. But um, yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah. We are coming to the end of our time. So I want to end on like a quick fire question. And that question is, if you could learn any instrument that you don't already know, which one would it be? Because for me, it would be the piano. The piano is one of my favourite instruments to listen to and it would be really cool to be able to play it. What about the rest of you? Just one? Just one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would say that uh, my brain says piano. I would be so much more employable in various <laughs> fields if uh, I could do more than, you know, plunk and hunt and peck in much in the way that, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
people type. I, I can hunt and peck on a, yeah. a keyboard, but if I could really play, that would be great. But my heart says cello. I love Ooh, the cello. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and a beautiful maybe, sound. Maybe some of it is just like envy as a violinist because they've got those big, deep <laughs> notes. And But it's just such a beautiful instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my clarinet teacher... Uh, halfway through our, our time together, started learning the cello, and I swear, at one point, half our lessons were just her rhapsodizing about how amazing the cello was. Because <laughs> you you hug it, and she was talking in terms that, frankly, I'm not sure that like a 15 year old should have been listening to an adult talking about. But yeah, it was for her. It was a very it's a very sensual experience for her, and I was like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, it certainly looks it. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for her. Yeah, give her. Um, <laughs> for me, probably any any stringed instrument. It's not something I've ever been. Mm. I've tried, but they don't kind of take for me. So I'd love to be able to um, to do that. A- any of them, frankly, just anything that, that is stringed. So when Jeffrey was kind of like like reeling out the list, I was like, God, any of those? That would be amazing. <laughs> like I can get a tune out of any fipple flute or whatever. Anything like a lot of different would have been, but like. You get chords with with strings. That would be yeah. amazing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that basically a whole family of um, any of those. Pick one. And Kathy, what about you? Oh yeah, where to start? <laughs> I mean, I I I love a stringed instrument. I'm not very good about picking them up and and taking to them. But oh gosh, a cello, a string bass, uh, a viola. Uh, a mandolin. I mean, all of those. <laughs> it just would be so. It'd be wonderful to just pick it up without, like, pick it up and know that your fingers knew what they mm, were doing instinctively. Yeah. Like they just kind of start playing on their own. It's like, oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> uh, a guitar. Mm-hmm. Again, again, I've tried my best at bass, but oh, it's not. Again, not taken to to strings well. So I've got some there, but it's. Nothing like pulling out a good guitar riff, yeah. You know, when you're, you're watching a uh, rock band, <laughs> I think finally I would I would love to be able to pick up an accordion and go to jazz. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> oh, I I do I do own an accordion and I can play half of it. I can play the chord part. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's one easy part and one hard but part. The, yeah. The, the piano keys actually it's that most of them are broken so i haven't really been able to learn and yeah i haven't had a time where it's made sense to get it fixed (sighs) Mm. oh i have a i have a didgeridoo i've just remembered Ah. i don't know why i have a didgeridoo but i've never been able to get much out of it oh that's awesome that would definitely annoy the neighbors that would be awesome I, I've developed a very bad habit of enjoying all the really obnoxious instruments. So I love an accordion, a tuba. Uh, I love I love listening to bagpipes. I'm sorry, yes, bagpipes no, are wonderful. They rock. They are. I would love to be able to learn to play a bagpipe too. That would be so much fun. Oh, yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Right, we are now out of time. The pun not intended. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking about music and instruments with me. I really like the episodes we do about music. Mm. It's just something that like people have such passion about and it's so lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Thank you, listeners, for coming along with us. And I hope mm. that maybe you learned something and maybe you are inspired to pick up 
a new instrument or an old friend of an instrument. I will see you on the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of them. Would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Farewell. (laughs) Bye-bye. Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner. This episode of Enthusiasm was edited by Tessa Vroom, Lori Ann Davis and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.